welcome to the Mind Tales podcast. We are a fast-growing tech mental health organization here to bring you the insights that you need to boost your emotional health and thrive in your daily life. It's our goal to make quality mental health care both accessible and inclusive. That's why part of our mission is to get discussions, conversations, and debates about mental health going. From psychiatrists to educators, entrepreneurs and community members, we bring you the stories and experiences of health advocates from around the world. And that's what we're going to do today. If you like our episode or have any suggestions for future content, please like it, leave a comment, or connect with us on Instagram at MindTalesOfficial. It makes us so happy to hear from the MindTales community. Farah, it's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us about your journey, your depth of experience in the finance industry over the past 20 years, from heading asset management divisions to undertaking senior leadership roles and building your own internet startup. Your journey really is motivating and inspiring, and we couldn't think of a better role model and fit to be able to talk with us today about female empowerment in finance. The finance industry is still male dominated and there's no single factor that can explain the disparity between the number of women who enter the field and the much lower number of women who find their way to senior or mid-senior leadership roles. Um, But you have tremendous experience in this area and so your pathway is an inspiration to other women. So tell us a bit more about your personal journey from when you first entered the industry. Okay, thank you. Thanks for so much for having me here. I know that time is a very valuable resource right now for everybody. Um, so maybe if I go back a little bit to childhood, when I think everybody hits inflection points. Uh, if I think about my travels, my, my childhood, I think of traveling, I think of sports. You know, if I think about some of the things that my mother instilled in me, it was all around love and tolerance and patience. Yeah. Um, she was an amazing chef, but that obviously didn't wear off on me. Yeah. And for my father, it was all around the discipline and the courage, um, the intellect, the perseverance, uh, the, the, the importance of being honest and, and really working hard. Mm-hmm. And if I think that we were born in Beirut and moved to London in 1975 um, and entered a girls' school, and for me, it was all about sports. I think people underestimate the value of sports. And it's yeah. not just individual sports, it's team sports because team sports teaches you a lot of different skills than actually individual sports. So I have two children, an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old, and I tell them both, and I've told them all through their lives, that every semester they have to do a team sport, um, because I think that teaches women more than men, but probably both, um, to really support each other, to work together, um, to be determined, to to really thrive off the energy of each other. Right. And it's not just the team spirit, but it's, it's really this collaborative effort of actually doing things together. Um, so I'm a big believer of actually working in teams. So when I entered uh, the workforce in 1994, uh, a little bit over 20 years, um, I entered as an analyst at Deutsche Morgan Grenfell in the UK. And that was after studying mathematics at King's College and doing an MBA um, in finance at Imperial College. Um, and, and I guess, you know, after five years at Deutsche and then a year at Morgan Stanley, I looked around and I really didn't see any role models. I didn't see anyone's life that I aspired to live. Uh, And I kind of thought, you know, I need to follow my heart. I need to travel. I need to see the world. I need to learn what I really want to do and how I really want to live. And so I left the industry and I went to Argentina, fell in love with an Argentine polo player 
and um, decided to move. So um, that was a, a kind of a crazy move because nobody yeah. I think expected that. And uh, I built a boutique hotel. We started building a boutique hotel in, in uh, Argentina. It was the toughest year of my life, wow. I think, until then, um, because uh, the dollar peso currency exchange broke right. at the end of that year. And basically, we lost everything. So our debt was tripled and the value of the business diminished by three. Wow. Uh, and so basically, we lost everything and had to go back and start all over again. And that's when I went to the UK, Spain, uh, started all kind of entrepreneurial business crowdfunding platform, oh, okay. interior design, real estate advisory, and had two children. Wow. Uh, and I think that was my first inflection point. If I think about, you know, what happens to make you kind of change direction. Uh, I, my daughter was born with a dislocated hip. And so at seven months, we had to uh, operate. And I sat in a chair for about three weeks in a hospital yeah. uh, room, uh, thinking about my life. And I think that's when I realized that I will never want to be in a situation where I can't give both my children everything. Right. And that's when I decided to go back to finance. Uh, one, because I think I always loved mathematics. I always loved the intellect. I loved the fast, fast-paced life. Uh, I liked to meet new people, the curiosity of learning from people, the travel, the adventure. So I kind of combined it all and said, okay, I was called by a headhunter and said, let me go back um, to finance. And yeah. I decided to, we decided to move to the Middle East in 2005. Uh, and I had never lived in an Arab country wow. from 1975. So that was a big change for me. I can, I can imagine this is, I mean, it's quite, it's quite the story. You're right. There's so many, so many changes. And I'm just curious, what kind of strengths did you develop as you progressed through these inflection points and the moving and the unexpected challenges that came along the way? So um, maybe I go back to Imperial College. Uh, my yeah. father was very strict and he said, you know, if you want to do an MBA, you need to do it in the UK uh, because you need to live at home. So I went and searched for a master's program that was close to home, which was Imperial College. Right. And I walked into Imperial, it must have been in March of the year of the MBA. And they said, sorry, the books are closed. And I said, but I don't think you understand. I need to do my MBA here too, yeah. this year. And they said, nope, the books are closed. And so I kind of, you know, wow. charmed my way into an interview, um, had an interview. And then the professor told me, great, you've had a fantastic interview, but I think you know that the books are closed. I said, yeah, but I don't think you understand. Yeah. I need to do my MBA here. So I said, can you get me a, maybe a, an interview with the dean? Uh, or can you recommend me for this course? Because I'm sure you can create one more chair for this course. And so basically, um, they recommended me to the dean. Uh, and then I received a letter about a month later saying, thank you so much for your application. But unfortunately, there is no place for you on this course. Wow. And I was determined to do my MBA there. So I called the dean's office every week for about two months. And after two months, he called me himself. I was in New York doing an internship. And he said, because of your determination and persistence, yeah. I'm going to allow you into this course. Wow. Um, and so I flew back to England. I never told my father I had been rejected. And I only showed him the letter that I had been accepted because I refused to accept that I wasn't going to do that course. So I guess the determination and persistence was, was there. And that was something that I, I held on to. Um, I guess Argentina taught me a lot about resilience. Yes. Uh, and, and the courage to 
follow your heart, but then obviously that may have consequences and learning from whatever decisions you make. I won't call them mistakes because I'm not really sure I believe there are such a thing as mistakes. I think it's just part mm -hmm. of your journey and it's part of the learnings of your journey. Um, and so that was a lot of courage uh, to break from the norm, to break away yeah. from the, the mold, I guess, of society that creates for us. Um, and I think, and I think the, the kindness, the compassion that comes with taking all these choices and the amazing people that you meet along the way, um, the friendships right. that you form that really create part of your infrastructure, which I think is critical right. to anybody. It's creating these really solid friendships. I, I love that. I mean, it's, it's so important. I think the point, the points that you're making currently just about perseverance, dedication, but also just having a support system in place that works for you. Um, and so uh, building on that point about community, what, what motivated you to co-found the women mentorship initiatives that you have really undertaken like reach like Tara and the 30% club uh, in the MENA region. Can you tell us a bit more about these programs and uh, really the impact that it's had on other women and uh, your motivation for being involved in them? Sure, sure. So remember that I grew up in a world or in a, in a, in a family where my mother absolutely adored children. So our house was always filled with children. Uh, so that is one of my passions, sports, uh, children, kind of support. And actually, whenever I go to friends' houses, they laugh because I end up sitting with the kids and playing with the kids rather than with the adults because right. I find them to be far more genuine um, and sincere in the, in the way they are. So I think, you know, we go into the workforce and we start to put up all these shields and masks yeah. um, to protect us from society's wrath and, and all the rules that are set for us. So when I arrived in the Middle East in 2005, I started meeting a lot of women that would ask me for 30 minutes of my time. And I started thinking, you know, what am I going to do in 30 minutes? I mean, I, I'm, I don't know these women. I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again. I don't know if I'm even the right person to, to give them guidance and support. Uh, and so that's when I decided that there was a need for guidance and uh, some kind of an infrastructure. So we created Reach. Uh, and I wrote the business plan on a flight to New York and came back to the Middle East, went to DIFC and said, you've just launched your nonprofit um, law. We need to set up a, a nonprofit here. And it's all around mentoring uh, women in the corporate world. So Reach is about mentoring women in the corporate world across industries, uh, and it's mentoring outside of organizations. So the, the, the philosophy behind Reach is really three things. One is every individual should really create this personal board of advisors, uh, people that advise you, but outside of your inner circle. So mm -hmm. not necessarily people that are in your organization, but outside of your organization that can give you a very kind of fresh perspective and be your mirror and ask you difficult questions and share right. their journey because it's two-way mentoring, it's not one way. And the second thing is really about uh, the collaboration with business schools to create soft skills and to continue this learning journey that yeah. we don't graduate and that's it, we finish learning. And it's yeah. not about just learning on the job, it's learning from different sources. Um, right. and, and the third thing is the network, which I think is absolutely critical, which no one tells us early enough, is that forming this professional network that is global now in the virtual world yeah. of people that you know, that you genuinely are curious to understand about their lives and learn from each other is so critical because if people don't know you, opportunities don't appear. Yeah. Uh, and that was reach. Um, and then in 2015 was the launch of the 30% club, um, 
which was already a global initiative that started in 2012 in the UK. And it was all around, okay, we're mentoring women, we're supporting each other, but then what else needs to change? We can fix the supply side if we want to fix the women. I'm not really sure we need to fix them because I, I think there are some incredible women out there and, and way yeah. too many amazing women in the world today. Uh, yeah. What we need to fix is the system. Uh, and as business leaders, we have the power to do that. We have the ability to change the mindset of how women are hired, trained, developed, retained, and taken all the way to the board. And that's right. really the, the, the mission of the 30% Club. Um, so it, mentoring is part of that journey. And then Tara was created this year, actually, in January, um, because I started talking to a lot of my friends and my children, uh, my son being 18, and realized that there was a lot of um, uh, you know, people in the ages of 18 to yes. you know, 25 that don't really know what they want to do. And you know, we, many of us grew up saying, when I grow up, I want to be an architect. When I grow up, well, not everybody knows what they want to be at the age of 18. And so I realized there was a real need to bridge this gap between education and the corporate world. And, and I think that, that this generation doesn't necessarily want to speak to just one person for a whole year, which is yeah. what reached us. We want to have multiple contact points. We want to learn from lots of different people and lots of different perspectives. So Tara is about connecting individuals through sessions, uh, speed mentoring sessions. We did one in January where 20 um, women uh, from different backgrounds, a master's level, came into the Lazard offices and we created um, speed mentoring sessions, 30 minutes each, where they rotated every 30 minutes. Right. And we went virtual in July. And then we had another virtual session in December. And then Tara has now evolved into a platform where we actually feel there are so many incredible organizations that are in the space trying to mentor and guide and connect and, and really uh, make this world a better place. And we thought, let's create an umbrella where right. we can actually bring them all together and have collective impact. So we are now working with Bloomberg and Gain uh, and Grasp in January, January 28th. There is an yeah. event hosting which is all around the future of investing, investment trends. It's a two-hour knowledge sharing where hundreds of women actually from universities uh, and kind of maybe master's levels, we're focused really on the university level, um, will join from Asia, the Middle East, and the UK to spend two hours listening to female role models talking about the world of investing. And then they'll have the opportunity to sign up for speed mentoring sessions for the month after. Wow, I that sounds incredible. I will put the link to that in our description. Where can our female audience sign up for this event? So that's in the website of Tara. So that's thepowerofTara.net. It's in the okay. events section. Perfect. We'll make sure to include it um, inside the description Thank for you. this. Um, and just on that topic of investment, we wanted to chat about a different aspect of financial empowerment for women. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on gender differences in investing. Investing is a wealth creator and millennial women are entering the field of finance at an increasing rate, as we spoke about before. But a large majority of women who aren't even involved in the finance field have never invested in stocks and other financial assets. And so there seems to be a larger percentage of women who choose to save their money rather than investing it as compared to their male uh, counterparts. So what are your thoughts on this gender gap and what initiatives are 
shifting the playing field to empower women to invest more? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, I think investing is, is really important because obviously it creates that financial independence which is needed to make decisions in life. Um, and so I think we start with education um, and there are a lot of initiatives in the UK. We have an initiative called GAIN, which we're working with, uh, G-A-I-N, um, for the event in, in January. So GAIN is all around educating girls in school and university about the investment world. Uh, and they bring together uh, women, female role models from the investment world uh, to host workshops and also do mentoring. And you have in the US, you have girls who invest, you have girls in tech. I mean, there's some incredible organizations uh, around the world that are um, working in this space. Uh, you also have many VCs, venture capital firms. I mean, in the, in the UAE, you have um, Global Ventures, Noor Swade, who's a, who's a dear friend. You have Tala Jabri, who's also working in the VC space. So I, I guess those are, you know, younger, um, smaller initiatives, but they're also um, transforming the way we invest. The same okay. as, you know, fintech, for instance, you have the fintech hive in, in the DIFC uh, run by Raja Mazroy, who's also a dear friend. Um, and these are pioneers in a new space. Uh, and this is education at different levels. This is combining technology um, with investing. Uh, so whether it's edtech or fintech or health tech, it's a different way of investing. And these are kind of appearing all around the Middle East, actually, and probably all around the world. You're having also women that have been in the investment field that are now starting to invest in other women and female VCs. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important for individuals to say, you know, why do I want to invest? Um, and then kind of learn what does it mean to invest? You know, what are your objectives? What is your time horizon? Uh, what is your appetite to risk? Are you putting this money away and don't want to touch it for 10 years? Or do you want to have access to it to every year? And so I guess when we advise our institutional clients, we say, you know, let's look at strategic and tactical. So you create kind of two buckets for your savings, one right. which is for the long term and one which is maybe for opportunities that appear that you're interested in. It could be social impact. I, I just recently became an ambassador to Beyond Capital, which is all around uh, um, social impact investing. Um, there's also social entrepreneurship, um, C3. So it really depends on, on the interests. And I think the next generation are really interested in having more impact and purpose, yeah. uh, not just investing in, in equities and, and fixed income uh, and the older generation. They really want to have more impact on, on society um, yes. and, and on the environment and, the, and the, the world they live in. So I, I think we start with education. We start with defining objectives. And there are incredible initiatives. There's also... You know, talking to bankers, private bankers, retail bankers. There's a lot of people that have this information. Today, if, you, if saving means putting your money in a bank, I'm not really sure that's even qualified as saving anymore because there's no right. interest rates. So that you might as well just, you know, that, that's not doing anything. That's not yeah. really, well, so it depends how you define what is saving. Is saving putting it in an account for your children or is saving, it's, it's, it's defining that and defining what it means to you. Right. Great. Thank you so much about sharing that, uh, your thoughts on female empowerment in finance and just a bit more about investing and letting our audience know the resources that they can reach out to. 
We, um, we also know that our listeners are excited to know more about your self-care journey. So what we want to talk about next is sustaining mental health in a demanding industry like finance. What does self-care mean for you and has it impacted or boosted your ability to thrive professionally throughout this time? So I think 2020 was a, was a tough year for many people. I think we started the year thinking when we went into lockdown, everybody kind of thought, wow, great. You know, we're going to spend more time at home, more time with family. We're going to have lots of free, free time on our hands. And actually, I think it was the complete opposite for many yeah. of us because you went into a, a world of Zoom calls and WebEx calls and nonstop technology, which maybe for some generation was already normal. But for my generation, it definitely was not normal. Right. I was used to walking to meetings and you know, jumping in a car and going somewhere and visiting friends. And all of a sudden, there wasn't any of that. You're visiting people on Zoom. Uh, so I think at some point we got Zoomed out. Um, technology kind of override. And um, I, I think thanks to my discipline, I, I really tried to carve out those that one hour in the morning for myself. So I try to wake up early and I try to do my 10 minutes of meditation, at least 30 minutes of sports, if not an hour and then I try to do a learning in the morning. So whether it's listening to Blinkist, Blinkist, I think it's just phenomenal. If you don't know what anyone doesn't know Blinkist, it's just incredible because it's book summarized in 15 minutes, which is just incredible. And then I started thinking about uh, learning more about the um, field of positive psychology. Right. So I did a course with Coursera uh, with the University of Pennsylvania on the foundations of positive psychology. And, and I think that really helped a lot because it helps you to frame every situation that you're facing. Yeah. And it helps you to kind of let go of the fact that we don't actually have control on a lot of things that are happening this year. And that makes us uncomfortable in some cases because we were used to planning and, yeah. you know, arranging our lives. And, you know, I would walk out of the house in the morning and I would know that everything at home was working. Kids were organized. Everything was functioning. I arrive at work. And I focus on work. And there wasn't that anymore. It was, I'm at home. The world is all around me moving. Yeah, the children the are in the house. Yeah. Boundaries are blurred. I'm kind of pulled into if the gardener needs something or I need to go outside or somebody's exactly. delivering something. Or, and all of a sudden, I'm here available for everything, even though I don't want to be available for everything. So discipline, I think, was really important. Um, and creating those kind of boundaries that took some time, I think, let's kind of doesn't happen automatically uh, we work through it and then I started blocking also another hour in the middle of the day to make sure I go for a walk yeah in July I started walk and talks with the team when economies started opening up around the world I started telling everybody let's go for walk and talks we'll keep social distancing we'll keep our masks on but let's create interact forms of interaction let's kind of yeah. see each other and for me that was super creative it allowed me to to come up with a lot of ideas because Again, sports is at the heart of, you know, everything that I, that I love. And so the movement yeah. was really important for me. Uh, but I think, let's, I think for me, it's really the sports, the meditation, the learning, and combining those and then making sure there was time for all of them. Right. Uh, and, and I think one thing that I, I would say is I'm super grateful to have incredible people in my life, whether right. it's family or friends. And I think my circle closed and shrunk because just realize that I am in my heart a giver yeah. and have a lot of time for people, but I can't be surrounded by takers yes. who just kind of give that negative energy 
So it's all around creating this positive energy around you and surrounding yourself with people who really have same goals and similar goals in life, or at least missions, bigger missions and dreams. I, I think that's a perfect way to summarize it. We were actually going to ask our next question was going to be, what are your top three essentials for uh, taking care of your mental health? And you actually answered that perfectly as well. Um, just in terms of summarizing your relationship with sports, with movement, meditation, and also uh, keeping others close to you. So yeah. um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our younger listeners about advice in general for moving forward and starting this new year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, let's not underestimate that we're living in a, in a period that people have not experienced before. So, I mean, I think there's, when we set, sit down and say, what do we want to achieve in terms of our objectives for 2021, when we have no visibility on what we can and can't do, I think people have to separate their learning goals and the performance goals, which is really important. And I have to give credit to my incredible coach, Caroline Miller, um, for that. Uh, and I learned that this year is that, you know, to have learning goals means that you're setting yourself things that you're learning and you're doing for the first time. You've never done these before. And so what you do set yourself as learning goals is things that you would want to learn. Um, but you can't set numeric targets on things that you're trying to learn because you've never done them before. Mm -hmm. And then there's the performance targets, which is targets of, you know, objectives that you have done before tasks that you have perform before and therefore you can measure uh, your ability to perform in that space but if you don't separate those two and you try to measure your ability to deliver numeric results on a learning objective right. it can create a lot of frustration because you're not necessarily able to achieve it and that can probably demotivate you so yeah. i think the objective piece is really important uh, and i would say that everybody should reach out for help I think that's critical, having this circle of guide, guidance or mentors or personal board of advisors, um, I think is critical. I think in a, in a time like this where people are, are really struggling to understand what they think they will be able to do in January, February, March, you know, how, how they can you know, position their lives, whether they're taking new decisions, whether it's um, decisions around career or decision about education or decision about personal life it's learning from people's journeys and sharing <clears throat> sharing your own journey right thank you so much for summarizing that for us that's a really interesting way to look at goal setting especially now that people are going to be considering resolutions and uh, thinking about how they want to improve or tweak certain aspects of their life going forward in 2021 um, so that's it from us today. Learning more about your journey has been an honor. It's been so interesting. We can't wait to have you back maybe at some point in the future to talk more about other topics. But really, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us today, Farah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And for everybody else, happy to, to support. I think Amazing. it's actually an obligation of all female leaders and leaders in general to support the next generation. Thank you so much, Farah. I'll be sure to include those contact details in the description of our podcast. Thank you so much. Take mm -hmm. care and Happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in to the Mind Tales Collective. If there were any questions that stood out to you, don't let these conversations stop here. Share your thoughts with your family and friends or send over a quick message to us on Instagram to share your thoughts with us. And don't forget to hit the follow button. You can find us at Mind Tales Official. 
We know it's been a tough year. We want to remind you to check in on how you're feeling and ask for help if you need it. Remember, self-care is more than a band-aid. Your mental health is important. Stay tuned for more content next week. Take care and talk to you soon.